This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I find value in lenders that are educators and whether that's on social media or just you know making your follow-up calls and reaching out and saying, hey, here's where the landscape is, email marketing, those type of things. That's a huge advantage to us because it's just... We try to stay on top of it. You guys are in a day-to-day. So lenders that are educators, definitely. Yeah, there's days where I feel like we're as much bond traders as we are. (laughs) (laughs) Because we have to track the market in a different way than we ever had to. A few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of hosting two housing professionals at our office, our housing wire office here in Dallas to record a really fun podcast conversation. So when you bring a loan originator, a real estate agent, and a housing media executive into one room on a Friday afternoon, what do you do? You open a bottle of wine, turn on the camera, turn on the microphones, and have a great conversation. In this podcast, I have the pleasure of featuring Kyle Baugh, a realtor at Compass here in Dallas, where he leads the BBR group. And Dan Carson, Senior Vice President and Producing Area Manager at Origin Point. Dan and Kyle know each other. All three of us know each other. So it's a pretty natural conversation. And what I really hope to bring forward in this podcast is more information about the realtor and agent partnership, what they expect from each other and how they can drive success and business for each other. But we dive deeper than that. We talk about the housing market at a national level, as well as here in Dallas. We even bring some research and data from Altos Research into the equation. More data, less vibes, as our VP of product, Holden Page, likes to say. We go deeper too. We talk about AI. Uh, We'd all just come off attending Tom Ferry's Success Summit, where Jason Pantana gave a great presentation about applications for AI and real estate and mortgage. So there's some great information revealed in this this episode, but Jason really has has all the expertise. And, And finally, we talk more about what Kyle and Dan expect in the coming year and how they're preparing their businesses to be successful in Q4 2023 and 2024. I hope you enjoy this episode, which we've unofficially coined a realtor, an LO, and a media exec walk into a bar and, and happen to have a great bottle of cab while they're doing it. Enjoy the episode. We're back for my favorite type of podcast, one we get to record in person, not something I get to do very often. Kyle, Dan, welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. So I'm going to set the stage for why the three of us are, are having this conversation. So Kyle Bob, Realtor at Compass, focused here in the Dallas market. Um, mm-hmm. Full disclosure, Kyle has helped me on three transactions in our relationship. Absolutely. Um, so thrilled to have my, my own realtor here in the office with me. Well, Kyle, welcome. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here. I mean, so many good realtors in Dallas and thankful to be here. So. <laughs> and Dan Carson. SVP, producing area manager at Origin Point. Sorry, I haven't sent you any business, but I'm thrilled to have you as a friend, Dan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I, but that's my whole thing. Is like, it's not always about like getting business from people. Relationships matter. So I, I'm glad to be here. And um, same thing with Kyle. Kyle and I actually 
we've we've done transactions together, but he's always been the listing agent. So Dan, you and I met initially with your last lender, Willow Band. I'm mm-hmm. excited to hear before we kind of jump into the topics for today. Tell us a little bit about your path in mortgage. Like, how has your career brought you to this point at Origin Point? Well, uh, I've I've had kind of a unique career in mortgage because I didn't start off just like jumping in. I didn't work on a lending team and work my way up. I, I actually started off kind of like the executive route and kind of worked my way backwards. I was a recruiter, a third party recruiter, did executive placements. It was this was right after the crash and Dodd Frank had gone through, and there was a large uh, national bank that. I had assumed one of the mortgage companies that they had the whole implodometer and everything that was going on. So I entered a market that was very similar to the one that we're in today um, as a recruiter in the mortgage space. So I lived in Dallas. I was working up and down the um, the Pacific Northwest and all the way down to San Diego. Like So pretty much anything that touched PCH, I was recruiting for that company there, trying to help build non-bank footprint and um, moved over to a local lender um, in, in Dallas, it's actually a big national player. And I got to the point where I recruited, I was helping with strategy, helping set new markets. And through that time, I decided that I was like, man, I really enjoy my interactions with these loan officers and the people and, um, got an opportunity to help, uh, lead a local mortgage company. And during that, I said, Hey, while I'm helping kind of restructure this company, I need to be licensed. I need to start putting loans into the system. I need to understand how everything works for the loan originators here. And it turned into, well, I, I actually like doing loans as much as I do, like doing anything else and helping people buy their homes. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It's one of the fun parts of my role here at HousingWire, mm-hmm. uh, a leader, but I also get to like, you know, get my hands dirty and do the content like we're doing today. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. I, I understand the the draw of not wanting to just be in management. Kyle, you and I got to spend some time together this week. So we're actually recording this on Friday afternoon after Tom Ferry's success summit. Mm-hmm. We may or may not be having a glass of wine while we have this conversation um, against all of our better judgment <laughs> after a conference week. Big but, week, yeah. Kyle, tell us, tell us about success summit. How was Tom Ferry's event for you? It was great. I, um, you know, I've, I've known about, about Tom Ferry for a very long time. I think I went to one of his seminars maybe 10 years ago, but just started coaching here a year ago. And so in the program, I hadn't, I've been to a couple small events, but th- I mean, it was, it was impressive. I've been to a lot of, um, I was with Sotheby's and now Compass. I've been to a lot of those conventions and industry conventions, but I, I mean, I think it was one of the, one of the best. The content was incredible. Tom's just such a good presenter and performer connector. It was, it was almost hard to miss uh, certain times in the conference because everybody was really just really strong um, presenters. So. Yeah. People, folks that come to success summit are, are there to, to learn. They stay yeah. in their seat. It's not leave the stage and go out and take meetings in the conference halls. People that are, Glued in, taking notes. Tom's got a, a, some some great catchphrases, but like one of his my favorites is like take take out a piece of paper and write this down. Yeah. And like like people take out their notebook and write it down. Yeah, like, it's true. The yeah. whole time people are writing and taking pictures of the slides, pictures of the stage. Um, really engaging event. So a, a year into coaching on the back end of Success Summit, uh-huh. what what's changed in in your business? Like how how has coaching helped you uh, as a as a real estate professional? Sure, I think um, a lot of it. I mean, as you know, everybody's aware. Uh, middle of last year, interest rates went up and um, everybody from the realtor perspective and lending perspective kind of had to get back to basics. And yeah. um, so, you know, part of that is just 
was the motivation, the accountability for coaching. Um, I did some research on different coaching companies and honestly, I, I just, I really liked, um, everything that Tom Ferry offers and I liked, um, the network and, uh, there's, they have so many good coaches and you can kind of bounce around based on what works great for you. So um, I, I think uh, just to get that motivation, get back on track. So, so motivation is a big part of it. For sure. You. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've done coaching before with other uh, coaching programs and it always just kind of keeps you scheduled and back on track. And um, I just, uh, with Tom Ferry, one of the other great things about the summit was um building more referral networks and relationships. Yeah. I was taking like writing up every word Jason Fantana said yeah. about like AI and marketing strategy. Yeah. He's like his, his like the 10 AI tools that you yeah. walked through in his presentation on Wednesday. Yeah. Like it was like my, honestly mind blowing. Like we're sitting yeah. here with like these fancy mics and lights and cameras. And he's like, you can do all of this from your iPhone and here's the tools to do it. I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe we should do that way. <laughs> it was wild. I think that's probably the biggest, I mean, I kind of wrote down my big takeaways and the AI was for sure the biggest takeaway. It just, it seems like he had mentioned what it was like in the past, but I think a year from now, two years from now, we're going to be looking back and be like, how do we not do this? Or how do we not know this? And it's a yeah. pivotal point. And I think part of that too, is if you can incorporate it, you can be on the front end of the AI uh, change in the market. So. What, what were the, like the main points where the AI is useful to where it's like, you think it's going to be impactful? It was really, I mean, I think, uh, what was incredibly impressive and he was referencing apps and different avenues was from start to finish, whether you're doing videos, whether you're got like YouTube scripts, if you're following up with clients, there's an app that you can go in, you can make yourself more efficient. You can, he was doing that one where you can essentially record yourself and create like this persona of yourself and you can just basically type things in and it'll just start talking like you're talking. And he did it on stage and it was, no way. It was pretty, it was pretty humble. And it, I mean, perfect inflection. So the, the other like tools that were shared and like a lot of this was just done in chat GPT. And he also announced the new tool, tom.ai, which um, <laughs> I, I, I can't give you the full description of no. yet. I think it's in, in beta, but essentially chat GTP, uh, leveraging all of like Tom's like database of like coaching wow. content, mm -hmm. uh, like the proprietary stuff. But um, what was really cool, one of the other examples Jason shared was the ability to use AI to identify trends. So like I dropped in the names of 10 of our speakers and attendees for Housing Wire Annual and said like, hey, what do these people have in common? It identified that they were all mortgage and real estate execs. And I said, what do they care about? Like, what are their values and what, what do they like need for their business? And I got, I got a list of like 10 things that these 10 people Wow. have in common and, and care about. Yeah. And then said, how do I translate these commonalities uh -huh. into event marketing messaging? And wow. like, so I can bring like what they value into my copy for our event marketing. I was like, yeah. that is smart. So like I, uh -huh. there was a application where that Jason was getting like or an application of this like technique that Jason was itching toward is like, so Kyle, you have a specialty in East Dallas. Mm -hmm. So like, what stops you from taking three addresses in Lakewood mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, what do these three listings have in common? Like maybe three address houses that moved very quickly. Uh -huh. And the listing descriptions might all mention that they have a pool room and floor plan or yeah. marble counters or something. Yeah. And like, what do they have in common? Um, how quickly, like which one moved the fastest and yeah. like, how can I model a new listing description off of that one that was marketed really well? So like finding like yeah. trends of success and then translating it to like new marketing strategies is where Jason like really impressed me. Yeah, no, that's incredible. I mean, I think, you know, obviously the, 
uh, biggest thing to learn from that is how you can just take all that information and to your point, just utilize different avenues to, I mean, to get you to that, to that point. Yeah. And faster. Like, I mean, like versus sitting down by yourself for half an hour and like trying Mm -hmm. to thinking through like how you're going to market a property or market an event or whatever you're like trying to sell or trying to sell Mm -hmm. something, um, having a partner, AKA the, AKA the AI, like, like talk through scenarios. I thought it was cool. What's crazy about all that is it, it knows what people want more than what we do. Oh, yeah. yeah, but it, like it makes you feel like you're you're just you're yeah just a number and yeah, it, it, yeah. and you kind of but it, but it's scary to me because then it's like you know at what point do we start losing some of the originality of like who we are and how we position things? But I mean that's where yeah. you like like if you let AI do the work for you or do you yeah. use it as like framework and architecture yeah. so you as can like customize yeah, and like and move faster yeah. and yeah. like and I think the day you like start letting AI do the work for you. Uh-huh. um, then that's probably a problem. And, and there's holes in that, right? Like sure. it's not perfect. And, uh, but to be seen, I feel, I feel left out. I, I, I wish I would have gone. I, wish, I didn't even know this was I'll going send, on. I'll send you the, well, yeah. I'll, say, I'll send you the, uh, the content. Yeah. That's so that, legal. that's like a, maybe another mistake yeah. Tom's making. Yeah. Dan, there was 4,000 real estate agents in one room in downtown Dallas yesterday. You weren't there. I wasn't there. You, yeah, no. <laughs> it should have been like I loan should, originator. Should, should have been there. Was, yeah. I was, I was, cause it was my first summit. I was, I did not know it was 5,100. It, well, it was wild. Well, I'm sure that there were loan officers there. It's, it's not just that they were all there. It's like, they're getting really like valuable tools mm-hmm. that we should know to, because part of our job is to help Kyle yeah. and other agents like do more production. And make their lives better by us working with them. So, yeah, it's knowledge that mortgage folks should be taking to their agent partners, mm-hmm. but it's also knowledge that's transferable across any business. Across so, like, I'm I'm there like as like a sponsor. We had a booth for sure. real real trends and Altos, but like I'm in there taking notes, taking pictures. Kristen, my assistant, who's helping us record today, was mm-hmm. sitting next to me, like, saying, "Oh, we can use this for that." And yeah. like, like, yeah. So it's not just the. It's, it's general business knowledge. No. It's, it's cool. So Dan, as we were getting ready for this conversation, you, you mentioned um, that you are uh, putting a lot of, you're investing in your health and mindset right now to get ready for 2024. How are you thinking about keeping your mindset in the right place? And, um, and what exactly are you getting ready for? Well, you know, we're coming off of, you know, two, two and a half years of the best, like the mortgage could maybe will ever be, mm-hmm. uh, from a production standpoint, from a profitability standpoint, and the last year uh, has been complete stark contrast to yep. that. And so now what we expect heading into 2024 is while it's still going to, the market's not going to be what it was during the COVID years. Um, but I think that we're going to see a different kind of market than what we've experienced the last 12 months. Uh, it's been challenging. It's very cutthroat. Um you're seeing a lot of lenders just now we're starting to see more companies exit the market. Yep. You're starting to see a lot of people that jumped in during that time frame are getting out of the business now. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows somebody that was like, Oh, I'm going to go be a loan officer. And they did it for a little bit. And now they're not a loan officer anymore. Okay. I mean, I spent half of 2021 asking myself, why am I running a media company? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I could be doing that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but but it's and it's challenging in a different way because with all the rising interest rates and affordability, you know, you know the, some of the data that yeah. you're going to share with us later, all those things combined makes our job hard. Oh, our, yeah. our job is really hard, and um, so we have to be mentally prepared to 
one, I think with the, the exodus from the business, the people that are going to, that are doing a good job, they're going to get more business. Yeah. And while we may be down, you know, I think, I think on average, we're, most companies are probably 40%, I would say. I don't know the hard data on that, but I'm guessing it's close to 35 to 45 It depends where they were in purchase and refi um, mix. So like purchase is down nationally yeah, around, around 20%, around 20% refi is down refi is 85 down. Yeah, or something. Completely it's, yeah. gone. So like it depends on, depends yeah, on the mix. On the mix. And, you know, we're probably from last year, uh, I'd say we're probably somewhere in that 20 to 25% yep. range mm-hmm. in terms of our decrease in volume and which I feel is pretty good because we had a, we moved to a different company. We had a lot of change and we're still able to keep up. And, um, you know, and in the previous year, we were actually up in a down year. Yeah. So I think that what we're prepping for is a market that's going to see, while it's going to be probably more competitive than it is now. I think that there's going to be a lot more volume uh, because I think that we're going to start seeing some, some triggering events that's going to create more inventory, especially here in Dallas, yeah. you know, cause the Dallas market, um, if you compare us to across the country, we, we are probably one of still the shortest, like in terms of inventory, I would guess we have the lowest inventory of any major Metro area. Yeah, it's, uh, we'll, we'll go into days on market in a minute in Dallas. Yeah. But so, Dan, can you give us a glimpse in for for your for your team? Um, what does production look like? How's your team structured? Like, kind of give us a view into kind of the the quantified performance that you're driving. Yeah, so our our group uh, typically does you know, 250, 300 million dollars in mortgages a year. Okay, and that's with you know anywhere from eight to ten loan officers. So each of them are doing a pretty good volume. Um, and that's because we're set up to where our loan officers can spend time helping people with their business, uh, working with their customers. And we have a support staff on the back end that's, you know, dealing with the documentation, kind of, you know, they're doing more with the details so that we can work in the big picture. Um, you know, I think that, you know, consistently, you know, with, with the market doing what it's doing, you're going to have to do more volume to basically make the same level of profits that you had previously. Yeah. So. Uh, we're, so that's why we're just gearing up to where we can spend more time um, having meetings, just talking strategy, building relationships with our realtors and our partners, and then also doing things with our customers um, because we're we're very much a purchase oriented. We depend on the realtor lender relationship to be successful, but we're also starting to do more to where we can generate more referrals directly from our client base and from local connections so that we can get more back to our yeah. referral partners. Too. Okay. So what, so do you have originators in brick and mortar mm-hmm. or like, how, so what's, mm-hmm. tell me the origination strategy and like, and kind of how you're bringing business in the door today. And then I'd love to go deeper into that consumer direct or like long-term relationship mm-hmm. that you're building. Uh, so yes, everybody's brick and mortar. So we're in office. Um, we have, you know, in, uh, loan officers that come in every day. We have some loan officers that work from home. We have some loan officers that work out of a real estate office. Um, and we, so we're basically, we're spending time in different office spaces. Uh-huh. So we're brick and mortar and, um, our staff is there, you know, nine to five, but we also have technology to where, Sitting here now, I could, if you said you wanted to do a loan application, I could do a loan application. I could pull your credit. I could run automated. Kyle, you got a house we can buy yeah. and we do a loan. We just yeah. do it right here. We could literally sit here. I could, I could fully <laughs> originate. Wave, cont- wave inspection. Like but, just to- yeah, <laughs> I could fully originate from my phone and send you a pre-approval from my phone. Technology-wise, like that's, we're, that's, we're that's able to do our job down. anywhere, oh. So, which is pretty neat. But 
we do, we are still firm believers in being in the office. Like mm-hmm. COVID hit, I think we were two weeks out of the office and everybody said, Hey, we're going to be, this is our group here because yeah. we, we have to, we're more successful by driving each other and pushing each other <laughs> to like, Hey, pick up the phone, pick up the phone, make the next call, set the next meeting, like do what you got to do. Yeah. So, um, we're pretty, we're pretty aggressive on that front. So, and staying in the office, but we're in office together. We're in real estate offices. Okay. And so talk more about the relationship you're trying to build with clients. That's actually another Tom Ferry point. He, yesterday, this week, he, uh, he vetoed the phrase past clients. Like these are your clients, not your past clients. So tell us about the long-term relationship with clients. So, uh, we do a lot like, so there's kind of the, the potential clients and then there's the past clients. You can't use past. It's yeah. so clients, <laughs> your clients, okay. client for life. So the clients <laughs> for life, we do a lot post-closing to help, you know, we keep up with their equity position and the property. We give them, they basically have a full digest that's sent to a monthly with market data, Intel. Do you use like a home bot or something? Yeah, like that we or? use home bot. Okay. Uh, but I also do like a personal letter that I send out as okay. well. Uh, we try to talk to every single one of our customers at least, you know, once a quarter, if uh-huh. not if not twice a quarter, like from an individual touch point, text message, do something. That's high touch. So we That's we touch. keep up with every we keep up with you know anniversaries, mortgage anniversaries, birthdays, everything. So okay. we we stay on top of that. Um, one thing that uh, we just recently started doing is like we're doing more with the clients like to celebrate them. So mm-hmm. when they close, like, you know, we're like, Hey, let's have a, let's have a housewarming party with your neighbors. Like, so we get to infl- in, in infiltrate yeah. their spheres. Yeah. So doing things to where it's like doing more, Hey, who's your employee? Who, who's the head of HR as your employer? We would love to come talk about home ownership with your with your company. So we we're doing everything we can to try to get in front of the consumer in a natural way, and so that that builds more referrals long term. I was at the uh, Keller Williams Mega Camp uh, oh. in August, and there was a a broker, or an agent who shared a a tactic that she uses. And I, I wish I remembered her name, what market she was in, but. Um, She's shared this on stage that she hosts a margarita party as a housewarming party for all of her her like her buyers. Yeah. And um it's kind of like a it's a party in a pack now. She's like, okay, now what date would you like to schedule your housewarming mm-hmm. party? And she brings a margarita machine and queso and yeah. tacos. Mm-hmm. And like she, I don't not everybody accepts, but like the people that do build this incredible bond with her as an agent and her brokerage. Sure. And um and she meets all the neighbors. So it's like, it's like yeah, a huge can, business development tool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, that's great. We, we've done that in the past where we do housewarming. There's a, um, we used to do uh, for nice properties where we would have a, like a personal chef come yeah. and they could invite their friends and neighbors. And then obviously uh, you wouldn't attend as the agent, but like every time you'd hear back that the, the neighbors, they, they tell the neighbors and the chef, we knew the chef. So he'd report back to us. Like he was, who was interested and who wasn't. And so it was just a great touch point after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> the chef is actually your he's transaction in, coordinator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't get, I did not I get know. a chef. But I that, do. Was within, that was a different time frame. I, I, do, rem- I do remember the closing gift. You got me, you got oh, me a, nice. a Yeti cooler. Okay. I think it was a good okay. one. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think it was filled with some stuff. Uh, particular for the client. I, yeah. I knew Clayton yeah. needed yeah. a Yeti. So, yeah. so um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, gotten, it's gotten a lot of use. So thank yeah. you. I appreciate yeah. it. All right. All right. I didn't brand it for you. You did not. Um, so I need a I need a cowball 
call it compass sticker or something for you. We'll put that on it. All right, Kyle. So let's, let's talk production. So like we, we operate real trends, tracking agent and team data is something that we care a lot about. Like, tell us about the performance of, of you and your team and, um, let's, let's go from there. Sure. Yeah. So, um, last year, 2022 numbers, our team, um, we have a team. We're actually kind of, uh, our, our team is restructuring, so we're kind of breaking away on our own now. But our team in 2022, um, we did just over 65 million in production. Um, we uh, personally, I did just under 30 million in production with uh, with uh, 36 transactions. Our team did about 85 transactions total um, last year. I will say, obviously, a lot of that was front loaded. You know, we yep. from January to uh, May of last year. I mean, it was, you know, gangbusters. I mean, you know, best months of my career. I've been doing it for 11 years. Um, and then like everybody else this year, I think we're down about 40% this year in terms of transactions and volume. And so, you know, I think uh, Dan's point, we're really looking towards 2024 and the agent, what we've seen is the agents that continuing, continue the marketing spend, really continue, um, the follow-up and the touches with, with your clients, not your past clients, um, are the ones that come out of it and gain that market share. And all that data numbers show, I mean, Tom was talking about this too, is you can see year over year when there's downturns that these the, the top agents in the market start getting higher and higher yep. percentages just because, you know. No, I think there's like, there's market share consolidation happening right now. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a, uh, I think uh, I was having a, conversation with one of our guests at the gathering of Eagles. And there's some business models where you don't want to see um, agent count decrease, but if you're an agent in the market, oh, there yeah. is a, um, it's not a terrible thing to see oh. some of the, like the part-time and like passerby sure. agents um, who weren't true professionals kind of wash out in, in a down market. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's wild. I mean, there's the agents that have been in the you know, business just since COVID and uh, in our office or other office offices, and they've never really had to market or, work or do follow-up because it just, you know, it was easy during that yeah. time period. It just kind of came to them. So um, different industries. So you're seeing a ton of those people fall off. Um, and I, I don't know the numbers, but I mean, the percentage of realtors that got on the market during that time frame has, has been wild. So it's good. It's good to level yeah. off a little bit. I think sure. we'll start to see, you know, it might not be until the beginning of the year when we see like the next national association of realtors annual report, and see like the membership numbers, there's going to be some, there's going to be some movement, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think the dedicated pros will still be here and hopefully they'll um, gain some market share. So Kyle, talk, tell us a little bit more. So we know 2023 is tough. We're down, mm-hmm. down about 40%. Mm-hmm. The conversations that you're having with, with buyers and sellers, I, uh, I want to test uh, a, a theory that we talk about a lot at Housing Wire, mm-hmm. um, mortgage rate lockdown theory. And uh, yeah. like people that are that the theory of mortgage rate lockdown is that someone who has a 3% mortgage rate is uh, unlikely to be a seller. So are sure. you having conversations with folks who maybe would have been a seller in other markets um, want to upgrade to that different school district or the extra bedroom, but are, are hesitant because of the rate environment? Oh, absolutely. I think the, the biggest feedback we have from buyers right now is, I mean, even ones that are actively looking, and I think this is, this is a big reason why we're, uh, the numbers are down is because we've got a lot of buyers. Most of them just say, Hey, we're in a, in a great position with our you know loan amount and uh, we would move for the right property. It seems yeah. like that's always the thing to say. It's like, you know, we're not in a rush to buy, which is of course, as an agent, we love that. Uh, 
you know, comment, but we're not in a a rush to buy, but if the right property comes along. And so, you know, part, part of that is is really being kind of a boost on the ground and figuring out off market properties and and, and things to really put your buyers in. Some of them just really aren't that serious. And it's going to take a lot more for them to get off the fence and get change uh, their interest rate. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, people are still dying, divorcing, you know, downsizing and all that. Oh, downsizing. I used to use the three D's, death, (laughs) disease, and divorce, but and downsizing. Downsizing, We got to fret about that one. Downsizing, upsizing. (laughs) Uh, I think one of the things actually from the Tom Ferry, uh, somebody had mentioned, they said, you know, if you're getting a divorce, are you going to turn to your wife and say, well, let's, let's stay in the house together for, you know, the next year because our interest rate is 3%. Apparently that's a thing. Like someone was just recently telling me about like uh, this this big trend of cohabitation and, um, so it is a thing. It is a thing. It's 100%. uh, Wow. That's wild. Yeah. So I feel like there's probably like a cohabitation, like, uh, TikTok land that I haven't discovered or something, (laughs) but like, I I think this is like something people talk about. But I do think too, that, you know, we have these conversations that, in Dallas, the market is still very strong. I mean, one of those reasons inventory yep. is still so low that even if you're, if you think, okay, you're going to have this higher uh, interest rate percentage, if you if you think, hey, we're going to wait a year, we're going to wait two years. I mean, like like anything in Dallas, no one, nobody in Dallas needs a reason to buy real estate. The minute you have the interest rates start coming down, you have you know some good news from the media. Is the market's going to be flooded? Yeah. I just we've seen that over and over. Again. When you say flooded, you say flooded with. With buyers. With buyers. buyers. So like mm-hmm. we, we mean we have this like supply demand imbalance right now. I'm looking at one of our like Altos research reports and in Dallas, median days on market is 42. And that's that's median across the market. But when you go down to entry level, which in Dallas is a, a, a median price of 269, which I, I that's hard to find in actual the city limits of Dallas, um, days on market is 35. Yeah. So like the demand is still, I mean, this is better than national, like nationals uh, average or median 49 average 87. So like Dallas is moving faster than the rest is, of the country. Yeah. Then, um, even with the current dynamics. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, from, you know, obviously average data, uh, it's, it's hard yeah. to, it's, it skews a little bit. And I will say Dallas is such a city, DFW and Dallas, is such a city of really hot neighborhoods and hot markets. And so, you know, if you look into certain areas like Lakewood or park cities or, you know, the suburban draw, so like Frisco or, Allen or South Lake, wherever. I mean, I, I, I bet if you really pull the majority of um, the home sales and not the ones that you're just overpriced and forever, your days on market are, are probably 20 or less. I mean, yep. things are still moving, especially in the good markets. Um, you know, inventory is obviously one of those uh, big reasons. But I think uh, what you see is some of these outline areas um, that aren't within um, those cores are probably dragging those numbers down a bit. So, yep. it's, you know, but you know, obviously, people that aren't in real estate see these numbers and or or, or hear the national media and they think, oh, it's cool. But Dallas is definitely one of those markets that's kind of driving. And different, like you're pointing out, like Dallas as a city is, you know, it's interesting to look at, but it's really about what happens at the zip code level. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and you see a lot that um, we're still seeing multiple offers. We're mm-hmm. st- still seeing waived appraisal waivers, um, no contingency offers. So we're, we're underwriting yeah. literally everybody up front. Yeah. So we have to, so, so that they have stronger offer positions and they can compete with cash. Yeah. It's, it's, in, it's still, it's, it's wild how competitive it still is. So the rate lockdown conversation uh-huh. is one that we have all the time and it's, 
there's a cost of opportunity that if you want to move into one of those zip codes, like or one of those yep. areas that Kyle's talking about, mm. it's going to be 10% more. And so the interest rate that you pay today isn't going to matter if you have a 3% now where you live, because the cost of the home itself is going to increase so much by the time that you're like, oh, rates are in the mid fours or the mid fives. It makes sense now. You're going to be priced out from a different standpoint. It's like, I try to wear such like a, a balanced hat on the, on the right. housing market. Cause it's mm-hmm. so easy, you know, as a, a media professional in housing or as a real estate or more sure, professional sure. to sound like you're cheerleading a market. And like, yeah. now was great. Yeah. I was always a great time to buy. Right. It's a great time right. to yeah. sell too. Exactly. Um, but like the, when I like honestly look at this market and like agree a hundred percent with where Dan was going is if we see any interest rate relief, mm-hmm. the frenzy on the buyer side is going to be so high. Mm-hmm. Home price appreciation is going to shoot straight back into that same territory that we saw in 2021 in the first half of, of 2022. So yeah. I, I think about that, like, is like, um, it feels you know I, I feel the mortgage rate lockdown pressure of oh. having an extremely low mortgage rate, but at the same time, the the jump we eventually want to make uh, is might be pro, like prohibitively expensive by the time we see in a different interest rate environment. Yeah. There's, I mean, I, I, yeah, to your point, I think um, we're all a little little guilty of getting fed from uh, certain media that uh, you know the real estate market is, is great in Dallas, but I try to look at it balanced too, and I try to when I talk to clients, not sound like I'm trying to you yeah. know, sell the market, but We've seen it before as well. It's, you know, there, there's very few clients I have that six, seven, eight, nine years ago said, I want to buy a house. And if they didn't do it, that they're saying, oh, that was a good decision. Not to buy it that time. It's like in the Dallas market, no matter what, you're going to look back and be like, oh, I should have bought that. And it just doesn't feel like there's any immediate future, any time frame where you're going to see, you know, big swings or and, and none of the data shows that yeah. either. So that's what our... Lead analyst Logan Motoshami talks about nonstop. Mm-hmm. It's like demographics, 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 and like yeah. and Dallas is an area where demographics are amplified by um, inbound immigration yeah, exactly. and like people exactly. moving migration into into Dallas and Texas as a whole. So we have this like really big wave of people hitting first time home buying age. Mm-hmm. Um, twenty twenty was the the peak year of people turning thirty two that. They're at the time was the average age of homeownership, first-time homeownership. That was beaten 21, beaten 22, beaten 23, and it will beat, beat again in 2024. So this massive wave of people turning like prime home buying age, yeah. which is, I think, being delayed a little bit because of the inventory um, constraints and affordability sure. constraints. But uh, And then we have migration into certain parts of the country, Florida, Texas. Um, We're still seeing lots of Californians in Texas. Yeah. How, how does that impact your, how does inbound migration to Dallas impact your business? And how much, how often do you find yourself working with people, like people that are from Dallas that are upgrading or first time home buyers here versus people that are moving into the marketplace? Yeah, I would say, I mean, um, I don't do as much suburban, so I don't get a lot of the like big reload business, which I, yeah. which obviously they see. So they all go to Frisco. <laughs> a lot of them go to Frisco. It's like they, they say, okay, where's the best uh, best or where's where's the uh, suburb in dallas where it's got good schools all this so i'm sure you know and i have have helped people in frisco i have helped people in south lake here and there but um i would say from a percentage you probably we probably get around maybe 20 20 to 30 percent moving in from different areas and um, the the large majority of the time it's a job transfer job relocation 
Um, and they're, t- you know, it's not just them. They're taking several people coming in, into, into the area and it doesn't seem like there's any slowdown of that. Yep. And usually what we see is it's, um, depending on the neighborhood, it could be like the C-suite executives or people like that are, that are coming in or potentially they just want to be more in the urban environment where, you know, their colleagues are going up north or something like yeah. that. We, we actually see a lot of, uh, small business owners on the financing side. Uh-huh where they're moving their business and mm. which, which can be difficult from a financing perspective because they're like, Oh, well, you own a business in New, in yeah. New York or New Jersey. Mm. How's it going to relocate here? So, yep. but that's, um, we see a lot of that too. It's like, we've also seen, we've also seen just people coming for, for tax reasons, yeah, and for sta- tax reasons yeah. and standard of living yeah, like, consistent. for employees that are moving for tax purposes or family that are able to work remotely. What is that process? Is there a, an extra verification step in the underwriting process to like verify that the job doesn't disappear when someone moves to, yeah, to Texas? Yeah. So when we do, when we're doing our verifications, you do have to get a letter from okay. the employer that there's an actual transfer going on. <laughs> Or if they're remote, they can continue to do their job yeah. wherever they are. So, yeah, it, when somebody's relocating, there's other things you have to go through. And especially if it's um, an employee reload where there's not a relocation company involved yep. and it's just like they're doing a straight reload on their own. Uh-huh. Um, that's where like there can be more verification that goes on there. Interesting. So, Dan, you also mentioned that you're doing a lot of underwriting up front to get borrowers um, or potential buyers completely pre-qualified and and ready to be competitive in a, a purchase market that's that's been competitive. Can you give us a little bit of a deeper glimpse into your like realtor like relationship and how you're working with your clients that are searching for homes and the agents that are representing them? Well, I, so if if you go back like probably ten years, my somebody goes to a realtor, they start shopping for a home. The lender's the last thing on their mind. They're looking mm-hmm. at the house, and then the, like they go to the lender after they found the house, it's identified. Then they start shopping. Now it's it's as soon as they they have a referral, we say, hey, get them with us so that we can make sure that you're shopping in the right range. You're looking for the right things. And everybody's doing their shopping up front. They're even shopping their interest rates up front. Mm-hmm. So it's really in some people will shop up front and you work with them for six months and you do all their documentation. You do basically have a full file ready for a closing. So that you can offer a 14 to 20 day close. Yep. Um, you know, we've had to close loans in as fast as eight days recently. And your technology is ready to do yeah, that? Yeah, like we, it's yeah, right. okay. yeah, yeah. Literally just closed one in eight days. And and these aren't just your normal, um, you know, W-2 borrowers. Wow. This was a bank statement loan that we closed in eight days. Do you have a non-QM specialty? Yeah, we do a lot of non-QM. Right. We do, I would say, self-employed borrowers is... Something that, especially my team, we do a lot of okay. it's tricky loans is figuring out yeah. things that other people don't want to take the time to figure out. So unfortunately, that's a lot of my business. I love doing the W two customers, like the employees, but, but that's actually um, it's been a it's been a demand wave in yeah. this in this part of the cycle. Yeah. I think so many of the self employed borrowers and other non QM categories were ignored by mm-hmm. by lenders um yeah. in the in the heyday of 2021 and 2022 it was too easy yeah, was too to easy. do gsc yeah. business yeah. all day long <laughs> yeah um so uh, why i love the i love the fanny freddy business <laughs> but, you know, they want certain loans and then the customer once you get under contract they shop you again and yeah. so it's like you're almost having to sell everybody two yeah. three times and so you have to be so on top of your communication make sure your service is so airtight that people don't want to talk to yeah. anybody 
So um, I'd say that's that's the main thing. So it's a, it's a it's a much more and the communication with us is constantly changing because you know we're having to do weekly rate checks like as rates continue yeah. to go up, go up. Yeah. You know, we're having to adjust people's pre-approvals to be like, oh, well, we just lost, you know, $50,000 of buying power, you know, in two weeks, you know, Uh, and which can happen, like depending on price points. And that's, that could be the difference of one neighborhood versus another. And so we're having to be a lot more creative and a lot more conscientious with our communication back and forth. So we make sure that when, when Kyle puts in an offer, that it's one that we know is going to be, Hey, we have at least a week where we're really safe on this offer. So Kyle, what do you need from a real, or from a real estate partner? What do you need from a, a lending partner to, to, to send a lot of referral business? Like, what are you looking for? What qualities, like what, what gets your referral? Buy us lunch, you know, buy us breakfast. No, just <laughs> Get out of no, here. No, no. Um, I think, I mean, obviously Dan and his team do a great job of this, but um, one of the biggest things is communication. I think um, the ones that really do well and uh, have those great relationships with big teams, and big agents are the ones that are um, good communicators, but also good connectors. And, and you can, if you can offer some form of a value to an agent that they're not used to, I mean, we get, it's, it's like any business we yeah. get calls from lenders all the time trying to um, win our business. And you can stand out by just having that strong relationship and being able to kind of connect you within their network and be just a good resource. I think at the end of the day, you know, like, like you were saying, uh, all lenders, like the minimum is to be able to close on time, to be able to, um, like you said, close in 14 days or whatever it is. Yeah. Everybody offers that. But if you can be that, uh, kind of superhero LO that comes in. And if something's bad, I mean, the one, the deals that we remember are the ones that the lender came in. If there was an issue or something like that, we didn't even know about it. The client didn't know about it. You did it on the back end. Those are, that those are effective, especially, you know, agents that have been doing it a while. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's pretty, that's key. Uh, does a, does market knowledge and like market data and trends like help with that, that relationship? I like when we were getting ready for the show, we were talking about the um, kind of the average price per square foot in Dallas. And like, it's at yeah. 261 right now mm-hmm. for the Altus report. And I know that's very different in some of the neighborhoods sure. that, that yeah, you do absolutely. business in, but Dan was talking about the the price to build per square foot. It feels like there's a lot of value that can be had between a, a lender and a real estate partner on like market intelligence. Do you, do you ever find yourself comparing notes on market intelligence or is that uh you get enough of it from other places? You don't need no, your lender partner. Yeah, anymore. absolutely. I mean, I think um, having that knowledge is, is great on the lending side. I will say also one of the things what I see a lot of value in is because the landscape does change so frequently, you know, week to week. That as agents, you you kind of, obviously you have a good idea of where the market is in terms of interest rates, but um, I find value in lenders that are educators, and whether that's on social media or just you know making your follow up calls and reaching out and saying, hey, here's where the landscape is, email marketing, those type of things. Um, that's a huge advantage to us because it's just you know we try to stay on top of it. You guys are in it day to day, so. Lenders that are educators, definitely. Yeah, yeah. There's days where I feel like we're as much bond traders as we are. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have to track the market in a different way than we ever had to, mm-hmm. you know. Because now the lock, don't lock, float. Yeah. Like there's mm-hmm. so much going on right now that 
Um, it's, it's hard and you have to have constant communication to do it. What tools do you use to, Dan, do you use to watch, um, market movement and like, I mean, personally I use MBS live. So, uh, we have MBS highway too. Um, you know, kind of take a collection of all the tools. Everybody uses their different stuff. Yep. Uh, MBS live is just one that's, um, they, and it's not really so much for internal data, it's for because they have a. It's really easy to follow. I if they've got shareable content yep. that I I use, and it's like it's the average market data, and yep. it's right there, and it updates real time. It's it's so it, it's. I don't think it's. It's probably not the most sophisticated way, but I'm also I'm not the guy that's that knows how to use AI to like generate <laughs> a picture of myself and and have this conversation. I, I just I'm not real tech savvy. And yeah. I could in so in, in MBS Live, they've done a, yeah. done a great job with the, yeah. the app. Like yeah. so like being able to yeah, access the, on the, the iPhone simple. is awesome. Yeah. So yeah, so that's yeah. that's one of the I I personally use, but we got people on our team that swear by uh you know Barry's uh, you know MBS Highway. Yeah. And now uh you know, and I know that um Mortgage Coach has their own secondary product tool yep. that's built in. And I've used them all at one point in time. And just like right now, MBS Live is what I'm using. But it, it's it's nice. And we have to keep up with it. We have to know. And then on the back end, we actually have a spreadsheet that we update with daily market rates. That's cross-referencing where the customer's rates are to see if there's ever okay. a chance for, you know, refining. You know, so we, we built out some internal systems, too. Nice. So, okay. So I want to hit on one more trend before we close out. So um, for years, we've been like watching this lingering inventory environment. Um, I think everyone was aware that home builders were not going to bail us out of a of an inventory crisis. But, but here in Dallas, new home construction continues to play an increasingly important role in the, the inventory that's available. Kyle, can you give us a glimpse into some of the, the conversations or relationships that you've had as a listing agent or a, a buyer's agent with, with new home construction and, and Dan, give us a glimpse. And if there's any like new home construction trends that are popping up in your lending business, I think, um, business, I don't see yeah. that as much as some of those suburban agents, some of the infill here in Dallas. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, and there's, there's a huge amount of in, infill in Dallas and the, the neighborhoods we're familiar with Lakewood, the M streets, Park cities so much so that it's driving these lot values up substantially at a at a very high pace. Um, you know, six, well, six years ago you could could have got a lot in Lakewood for three hundred thousand. Now there's like seven hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars for a lot. So um, building costs are, are driving up, which in turn is driving the new construction price up of, of properties. Um, but there's definitely you know a conversation to be had with a lot of clients that they are. Considering new build versus um, resale properties, um, and I think um, for a lot of people it, it makes good sense. But one thing I will say is because of those construction costs, it's driving those prices pretty high. With the current interest rate environment, it is you know making it a little harder for some people. It seems like we just builders keep you know building and buying. They just keep, they keep moving. How many yeah. days on market? I will say it feels like that new construction, and this is just kind of a feeling of the market is. New construction uh, sales, sales and market seems to go to be a lot less than certain areas of, of resale. New home construction also gets the the benefit of like a uh, an unlisted marketing period. Like like when you yeah. see a builder building a house, you know, for like sure, I'm, yeah. I'm watching houses that might ever go up for six months. Like that is going to hit the market at some point. <laughs> so like there's a yeah. it's like pre marketing without the um, MLS uh, clock starting to tick. That's a good point. Yeah, and, and the new construction stuff that you deal with is different than most because yeah. it's it's going to be 
builder buys lot, builds a spec home, sure. and then sells that property, yep. which is a completely different process. But it's the same experience from an inventory standpoint, like what you're talking about yeah. is the market piece. I don't know if you guys saw, um, you know, Buffett just made a major investment in the three, three home builders. builders. Yep. And so he typically has a pretty good idea of what's going to be going on in the market. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like, especially in Dallas, um, we're going to continue to see, and it's all based off the home builders that build affordable housing as yep. well. Um, because that's like, when you look at the Dallas inventory, that's our biggest problem. Yeah. Um, but then again, you run into Dallas County in general. Uh, you got one individual that owns probably 90% of all the vacant land in Dallas yeah. County. And I don't need to say who it is uh-huh. or anything like that. But when you have that, yeah. like it's you, no, you own all the land. I wish, yeah, I, wish I wish, but <laughs> it's it, so, it, it, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I got a great retirement plan. <laughs> um, no, so this, this, it's going to create, you know, we cannot, it's going to be 10 years until we're anywhere close to building at the pace of inventory yeah. it's, it's going to take the F word, you know, to, for us to get, anywhere close to the inventory needs that we have in Dallas. Well, I, I think um, what we're approaching now is, um, <laughs> what we're approaching now for everyone else. Uh, I didn't know you guys. Dan's been in the industry for, for a hot minute. Yeah. He, he, remember, he remembers, uh, yeah. 2009. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the, what we're starting to approach now is social pressure on affordability. And I think like one of the things that's really holding up new home construction and infill and um, like new, like suburbia is, um, is municipal regulation, availability of water and infrastructure and healthcare. I mean, that's, I understand healthcare is one of the things that's holding up the continued sprawl North on 75 and in Dallas is like, you need a hospital and uh, that'll come. It's true. And even and like you said, the municipal side of things, it's even time from yeah. like how long it takes to get a project approved now. And not just like on a, on a development level, but also like on an individual level, like, you know, all the uh, regulations that we have in the different counties in Dallas and the surrounding counties is you have time from inspections to, you know, certifications and like, it, it's, it's hard to build a home in Dallas. Oh, yeah. Permitting, and, and, and the CFW and yeah, yeah permitting, yeah. everything's every nothing is easy on home builders. So, and that's why I think cost is going to continue to drive up. But they're doing a lot of stuff on the backside of things to be able to help continue to move homes. Uh, fortunately, right now they're still paying agent commissions. I think there's going to come a time where that that's going to be. Yeah. We're, Not in all markets. Stuff. I know there's parts yeah. of Florida yeah, where that got wiped other, out yeah, really fast. Other areas where they don't at all. And so, like, there's going to be. And they're taking money that they used to put towards marketing and they're putting it back into the transaction. So you have them yep. doing bulk tape uh, so with their lenders. So whether they're in-house or they're joint venture yep. partners, like they're doing bulk tape buys to where they're buying down rates to a certain level. There's a billboard outside our office yeah. here, marketing a 4.7% yeah. rate for new home construction. Wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're guaranteeing a number of transactions going to somebody. And instead of saying, Hey, I could lose X amount of dollars by not moving these units. Sure. I'm going to take a quarter of what that loss would be and put it towards, you know, helping the transaction. Sure. So sure. there's a lot of crazy stuff going on on the build side that, you know, it's hard to play in that builder's world. And yeah. when you have a mixture of a bunch of first time home buyers plus builders doing this, and then it's in, 
I'm, I'm surprised that it hasn't gone further because the number of people that probably got under contract in 2022 that weren't able to close in 2023, I'd love to see the data of what the actual numbers are uh, because it's probably insane. All right, gentlemen, I've been dying to do an episode uh, like this for a while. I think we might call this a, a lender and a realtor walk into a bar or something like that. I feel like that's a good, a good title. Yeah, that's great. But uh, I've, we, we talk so much about real estate sales and, and loan origination. I, I'm thrilled to be able to bring in two professionals who practice the trade every day. Kyle, Dan, thank you all so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having thanks, me. Thanks, Clay. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, CEO at HW Media. I invited Brendan Ath to give you a little more detail on HousingWire Annual. This is HousingWire's mortgage-focused event that covers everything in mortgage finance, from origination, servicing, secondary markets, and partnerships with real estate, title, and valuation professionals. You have people like Frank Martell, the CEO of Loan Depot, Lo- our own Logan Motoshami, lead analyst over at HousingWire, Sandra Thompson, FHFA director, and even Slim Kham, who's the CEO of Thrive Mortgage. These executives are taking the stage. What are they talking about that actually applies to you? So they're addressing how are they staying profitable in this business? How are they creating communication flows from the top down and making sure that everyone through the company is driving that business forward? How are they making the tough decisions? It's a tougher market, but even though it's a tougher market, there's still people who are growing. So how are they winning that market share and what does their mindset have to do with that? And so two of the big buzzwords that we use are actionable items and insights and walking away, but that is something we actually took and then went a level deeper to make sure we're we're creating those opportunities for you guys, whether it's on the pickleball core or staying after in the sessions to chat with these leaders at these companies. It's the people you want to be in the room with. You want to be surrounded by people who are growing because when I leave a conference, It's that energy that you want to take with you back to your business as you build out more strategy for 2024 and beyond. That's why we call it the starting line, right? You're you're starting your business for the future. So that's where I would kind of touch on to start with. If you want to learn more about HousingWire Annual, visit housingwireannual.com. Or if you're on HousingWire, you can click the events tab and see all of our events, HousingWire Annual included. This event is October 10th through 12th in Austin, Texas. We're bringing you a special promo. I'm not even going to tell you what it is on air right now. Um, You have to DM me. So you can hit me up on LinkedIn, Clayton Collins, CEO of HW Media, easy to find, or on Instagram at housingclayton. So check us out. Join us at Housing Wire Annual. Thank you. See you in Austin. Thank you so much for listening to the Housing News Podcast. Please take a few seconds to rate Housing News on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot for the show, and we really do appreciate and listen to your feedback. Also, we're gearing up for Housing Wire Annual in October. Please visit housingwire.com forward slash events for full details about our big annual event in Austin, Texas. 